to jump into a brand new series uh, that we, we kind of went through the Passion Week the last four weeks, but this is going to be one called I Believe. Uh, I love the slide that our marketing team picked because there is a hundred different sticky notes on there and there's a hundred or thousand different voices that you could listen to. And how many of you know that now more than ever, it is important that we know what we believe and why we believe it, okay? So we're gonna talk through that a little bit. Um, it's interesting. I'm, I'm gonna jump ahead to my notes for just a second, then I'm gonna come back. So you guys upstairs don't have to do anything. Um, but we, I got thinking, we're gonna start talking about creeds, okay? There's a, the, a creed called the Nicene Creed, uh, maybe the Apostles' Creed. We're gonna start talking about creeds. And then I got thinking when I was talking to Pastor James, I'm like, so we go through Advent, we go through Lent, and we go through creeds. Those are some different things that not everybody in the church is familiar with. And so I just want you to know it's all okay. Don't worry. We're just going to go through. And these are ways that we can know what it is that we believe. And, uh, and I'm going to explain that um, further. But before I get into the actual um, uh, heart of the message, so has anybody ever heard of the secret service? Okay. So I, I know the secret service, the way I look at it is they get to drive around those sweet Suburbans. I love cars. I especially love sweet cars. And they drive around those sweet Suburbans with the black tinted windows. And there's like a bunch of them in the line. And I think they're really cool. Okay. So that's my view of the secret service. So then I had to learn more about them uh, and act educated. So the, the secret service is really in charge of not just protecting the president, or, or um, former presidents and leaders and things like that. Um, that's what I thought their primary job was, but their job is actually, they're in charge of our financial system. Um, so what they do is they look for and they identify counterfeit currency that gets spread throughout our financial system. But they don't just look for counterfeits their number one job is to become masters of what's genuine. They know the dollar bill, the $100 bill, and the bigger bills than that, you know? They, they know these things inside and out, and they have studied in detail the genuine, the, the real, so that when they see a different variation of that, they're able to recognize instantaneously that it's counterfeit, that it's not the real thing. So in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So if you, when, when, I, when I read that scripture, I read that scripture for you to realize that there are deceiving spirits, there are doctrines of demons that their number one job is to come up with a counterfeit to lure you away from your faith. Now, they don't, they're not trying to just get you to deliberately just walk away. That'd be a little too obvious. 
if they can slowly, methodically get you to question and to begin to move one inch by one inch by one inch away from the truth, they are successful in their job. How many of y'all know that we've got an enemy? Okay, you, you got you to know that first of all. You have somebody that is very, very real. He's called the devil, Satan, the enemy. And his number one goal is to slowly chip away at your faith so that you are inactive, not present, drifting away from God's original intent. So we have to come back and we have to lay a stake in the ground and says, I'm not moving from this truth. And that's what we're gonna go over here. So um, if ever there was a time for the church to be reminded of the truth and recognize false doctrines, it's now. It is important to know what you believe because if you don't, it will be constantly evolving with the culture. This culture is inundating us with things to believe, with different voices. And if we don't know the truth, we're gonna start to believe something that's watered down and that pulls us away from the truth. So a hundred, hundreds of years, so about 300 years after, um, uh, after Christ was, had risen from the dead, he, so he rose from the dead, he ascended, sent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is working, in the church, um, the, the church has been growing and growing, but they're slowly but surely started to get some false doctrine that started to come into the church. And so what they were really, what was happening is these false doctrine were actually questioning uh, what we call the Trinity. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Three separate parts, but yet all three equally God. All three God, one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This doctrine began to come in and start to, to chip away at that truth and say, you know what? Yeah, Jesus walked on this earth, but he, he really wasn't fully God. And if you don't believe he's fully God, you don't believe you fully have a savior who was sent by God the Father because of God the Father's love for you, okay? So what happened is the, the so as heresies and false doctrines began to come into the church, they, this, this council began to get to, together. It's called the Council of Nicaea, okay? So I'm gonna focus on one specific creed called the, the, the Nicene Creed. So what happened is about 300 bishops and a lot more delegates, about 1,800 people in all, gathered together to say, whoa, 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 we got some issues here in the church and people are starting to drift all these different ways. And then even inside the church, there's starting to be some belief systems that are contrary to the word of God. So they, they created what's called a creed. Now, a creed is a, in Latin, it just means I believe or I trust. So if I have a, if I have a, a creed or this, this belief, it's a belief or it's something I trust in, okay? 
This creed, let me make this very, very clear, is not the Bible. So I'm not saying, I'm not glorifying this, these creeds or what I'm about to talk about. I'm not glorifying that. I'm just simply bringing them to your attention so that we can say, oh, okay, I get why they would create that. They create this creed because of these, these things coming into the church and these creeds were non-negotiable Christian beliefs. They were non-negotiable, we call tenets of the faith. So this was done in 3, 325 AD. But what was this creed? So what is the Nicene Creed? Well, I wanna, I wanna read it to you. It's, it's relatively short, but I wanna read this word for word and then we're gonna, we're gonna focus on part of it. So the Nicene Creed, can this document that all these 1800 different people, religious leaders got together and created. This is what it says. It says, we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Begotten, not made of one being with the Father. Through him, all things were made for us men, for us men and for our salvation. He came down from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit. He became incarnate of the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy universal church belonging to Christ. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. This creed was just a, a proclamation of faith. That's what it was. It, it's taking what, what the, the truth that we know from Scripture, we know from Scripture, it's taking that truth and it's just writing it down. And it's, it's, it's saying, we're going over, this is what we believe. If you go to our website, you get to see, what do we believe? What are certain things we believe about salvation, about the Holy Spirit, about baptism? What are some of those things? And you can see those on the website or on the app. But this is just a list. So I want to go over, over the next few weeks, I want to go through this creed and break it down a little bit. Really, what I'm, I'm, my number one goal is really to reinforce and to maybe help lay a foundation that's a little shaky for you right now. I don't know. But a foundation of truth that you can stand on and you can put your faith and trust in. And that's Jesus Christ and him alone. But I want to go through the first part. 
So the first section that says, we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen, all that is seen and unseen. So when I go through this, this, uh, this particular scripture, I kind of broke it up into two different parts. So I, I, I broke it up into, first part is a powerful God. So when I'm looking at this, this first section of this creed, I see a powerful God. Now, I, I, I about had the guys change it uh, where it says a powerful God to cross that out and write the with a capital T, a capital H, and a capital E. The powerful God. There's none like him. There's none other. He stands all alone, all by himself, and he doesn't need your help or my help or anybody else's help. He is God and God alone. Okay? Thank you. <laughs> so I, I, when I'm looking through this, so if you guys are taking notes, I really want you to cross out A and put the, okay, uh, on there. So what we're looking at, breaking this thing up, it said God is one. Why is that important? Well, in the Roman Empire, what was happening when this was written, also, Roman Empire had a lot of different gods, little g gods. So if I'm ever writing the name of God, God in heaven, of heaven and earth, and, and God Almighty, it's with a capital G because he stands alone. Every other God is just a little g God, okay? That's how I, that's how I look at it. Um, but in this creed, it reminds us of Deuteronomy chapter 6, when God said to Israel, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6, he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. The Lord God is one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all present at, at creation and all present throughout the Bible. One God. See, Israel would need to go into the promised land. They would be taking territory from nations that served other gods. They were to guard their lives, guard their hearts, and guard their faith from allowing false gods from the other nations to infiltrate their families and their lives in their communities. So as, as God began to expand the people of Israel and they began to go into the promised land, I love it when it says in Exodus, God says to the, to the people, he says, I will not drive them, I will not drive the other nations or the enemy. He says, I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. This is Exodus 23, 29, and 30. But verse 30 says, Little by little I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. When you give your life to Christ and you, you, you set God up as number one in your heart, you're now beginning to take territory that normally you, you didn't realize that you could take. You're gonna begin to affect your household. 
you're going to begin to affect your workplace. You're going to begin to affect your school or your community. You're going to be putting one foot in front of the other as you serve God. And you're going to be faced. It's not all what, uh, what, you know, rainbows and unicorns. (laughs) There's some work involved. There's some battling involved because you're taking territory that Satan once occupied. And once you've surrendered your life to Christ, Satan has no more hold on you because you belong to Christ. So he's a little upset. But as you begin to advance the kingdom of God in these areas of your life, you're going to be met with with false doctrine. You're going to be met with false gods and belief systems that are going to start to try to steer you away from the truth that you know or the truth, honestly, that you're continuously learning. We don't know it all. We're continuously, day after day, growing in God. But we've got to be able to know the truth to be able to recognize where the enemy is trying to steer us astray. So God said, when you go into these lands, you've got to remember the truth. You've got to remember who I am in my heart. You've got to remember my salvation and the fact that I delivered you, that I am faithful, I provided for you, that I have met all your needs, that I have taken care of enemies in your midst. You've got to remember who I am so that you recognize when something comes that I'm not. The voices of other gods would distract and cause questioning. And slowly over time, the people would pull, lead people away from God's original plan, and that has not stopped today. I love also what we see in here. We see, when we think of a powerful God, we see God, it says, God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Now I am a, I don't want to say I'm a power junkie, but I love the power of God, okay? When I'm reading scripture, I feel like my eyes, like in my heart gravitates to the power of God. I will deliver you with an, a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. God delivering Israel out of Egypt. He's, he's pulling them out of the miry clay. He's setting their feet on a firm foundation. He's taking care of the enemy. I love that part about God. I love it when, 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 uh, when Solomon is dedicating the temple and then the whole place starts to shake. And then the glory of God comes down and it fills the whole temple so that people can't even stand up. I love the power of God. I don't know if you read it that way, but that's how I read it. It's amazing. Psalms 97, one through six says, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of isles be glad. Cloud and darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. A fire goes before him and burns up his enemies round about. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth, the heavens declare his righteousness and all people 
see his glory. He's a powerful God. He's the powerful God. He's the maker. We see God as creator. You know, we see him build the earth in perfection, in beauty. He stands back and says it's good. And then he, he creates man and woman. He says, man, that's real good. He created us male and female. There's no variation. The truth of God is he created us male and he created us female. And he called those two together to become one flesh, two different people, but yet together they become one in marriage. He believes in marriage and he, be, he believes in marriage for your whole life. These are the truths of the word that we have started as a culture to slowly drift from. But he is the creator. He is the maker. He knows everything about you. Every fiber of your being to the simplest thought. He knows it all. To the things that only you know about in your heart, God knows about them. There's nothing he doesn't know. But he's one God. Creator. Things seen and things unseen. When we know the truth, we have purpose. And we're able to look for those lines that are being blurred and say, that's not right. And even if you have to stand alone, you stand for truth. But placed in the middle of this whole awesome definition of God is the word Father. Now, Father could be, I could be the father of an invention. I birth an invention. The father of creation, like God, he created things a father to children but I find it interesting as one that loves the power of God to see such a strong and yet I'm going to use the word soft that's not really what I mean I don't mean it in, in the I think the way that comes out but such a gentle that's the word a gentle word as father. And I understand in this room, there are some people that I mention the word father and you've just turned me off. Because the definition or the description that you have in your mind of father does not fit somebody loving or somebody good, or somebody kind, somebody loving. And I'm sorry for that. I'm, I'm sorry that that's your example because that's not God's heart. He wants you to know him as father. See, in, in the book of John, 
He says, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. He will give us the Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, we'll know that we're sons and daughters of God. And I'm gonna pray even right now that as I continue to go through the remainder of this message, that the Holy Spirit will begin to remind you that you are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you are not intended to go through life alone. And if you've never put your faith in Jesus, I'm here to tell you, you're not intended to go through life alone. God loves you and he sent his son for you. God wants a family. In 2 Corinthians 13, 14, in the message version, and I don't typically read from the message, I like the way that this is written. It says, the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. The extravagant love of God. See, if I'm not, the Bible says he's not left as an orphan, but it's very, very possible that you have taken upon yourself what I call and what we call the, the orphan mentality. I'm not gonna get in huge descriptions here, but if you feel like you've got to do it yourself, I got me and I don't need your help. If you feel that you have failed way too many times for a loving God to forgive you and accept you, you may be dealing with what we call an orphan mentality. You might be dealing with what that mind tells you that you're not good enough because it's a lie from the pit of hell that God, again, God loves you. He wants you to come to him. So the enemy wants to keep you away. If he can keep you to fight on your own, to, to go through life by yourself, to never ask for help, if he can keep you on an island by yourself, he has been successful. but that's not the heart of a loving father. He is drawing you in. So I love how it says in the middle of this that there is a father, the father of all creation, but he is a father that loves you tremendously, extravagantly. And he is drawing you closer and closer to himself. Psalms 103, 8 through 13, it says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those 
who fear him, on those who revere him. It's amazing. In one part of scripture, you have God who dwells in unapproachable light. He's holy. And yet through Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross, with boldness, we can come before the throne of grace that we might find mercy and help in our time of need. It's through Jesus. You see, I can't talk about just God, God the Father, God, without talking about God the Son and the work of God the Holy Spirit in our midst to heal and restore and to save the only way he can. We have to have a father focus in our faith or our faith is incomplete. He loves you. So would you bow your heads and you close your eyes? First things first, I want to minister to the people here who do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Or maybe you're here this morning and you are far from him. It's been a long time since you've thought about Jesus, since you've thought about what God has done. There is one question every heart has to have answered. And that question is, is my heart right with God? So you might be here this morning and you might say, I, I think my heart's right with God. I, I sure hope it is. You might say, I try hard to be a good person, but trying harder will not ever make you right with God. Today, you can absolutely know for sure that your heart is right with God. The Bible says in Romans that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you're here this morning and you're not sure that your heart is right with God, or you know, maybe your heart's beating faster than normal, and you're like, what is happening here? That is the Holy Spirit drawing you. Maybe you just know, you can tell. See, the Holy Spirit will bring to light. He will help you understand that fact that you need a savior. So if you're here and you wanna make sure your heart is right with God, will you raise your hand on the count of three? Will you, will you lift your hand and say, I need Jesus in my life. I need him as my savior. I need him as my Lord. And take that step of faith today. One, two, three. If you're here, raise your hand. Lift your hands up high so we can see them. Awesome. Raise your hands up high. Awesome. Amen. Amen. Wow. Awesome. Well, what we're gonna do, we're gonna pray. Romans 10, nine says that if you confess with your mouth 
that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, said you will be saved. It's a beautiful promise. And that's what we're gonna do right now. We're gonna pray together. And if you raise your hand or if you meant to, I'm gonna ask that you pray out loud. In church, would you pray along for encouragement? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I believe Jesus died on the cross, that he rose again and he's seated on the throne. Father, forgive me for all that I've done wrong. And I choose to forgive all others. Come into my heart today and forever. I am yours in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate, church.